The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Duncan. I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Bolivar Mitchell playing the villain. The Ticats starting QB competition. The Red Blacks defending ineptitude. Mary Jane repercussions for Quan Brizzy Bray. And four Rough Riders players suffering torn Achilles tendons in practice but first the cfl announced dunkster on wednesday that they had jointly decided not to pursue any formal arrangements at this time ending months of reports discussion and speculation regarding a potential alignment collaboration or even a full-blown merger what's your take on this development first of all there are people out there who are carrying water for the league on this that are now drenched by said water Second of all, Hodge, I believe we said it multiple times on this podcast, and you were the Canadian flag bearer for it in this sense, that you felt the best way for the CFL to go forward was to focus on Canada. And I doubled down with you on that, saying that they need to focus on grassroots and getting bums in seats in Canada. And further to that, I always felt like this was going to be a long shot because Anyone who's been around the CFL and covered it for a decent amount of time understands that there is an old guard of power players in the league, and they do not like giving up their power, and also, they do not like not being the smartest guy in the room, which is an issue for the league unto itself, but in this case, it never made sense to me that those people you know, on the board of governors and presidents throughout the league... Some of them, I'm not saying all of them, but it never made sense to me that they were going to cede power to Americans, even if they had the sex appeal of the rock. So it didn't surprise me that a business relationship never even really got going because you're talking about giving up money. Business 
you might as well just equal it to money. When we say business, it means money. So when we're talking about the business relationship couldn't happen, well, they're talking about they couldn't decide how to potentially split up the money or the power in deciding where that money would go. Yeah, I mean, and, and look at this, right? We All through this, I think there's been a false dichotomy that some people have put forth saying, well, if you're anti-XFL merger, then that means you just don't want the CFL to change at all. You think it's perfect the way it is. I don't think that's true. And actually, I, I through this whole process, I, I had a lot of people reach out to me or, or publicly write or speak about how the CFL should stay the same on the field. Off the field, I've yet to have a single person say, oh, no, the CFL should keep doing this thing where the small markets do great, the big markets suck, and, and, and it's, you know, it's touch and go, and the business doesn't really, it's not failing, but it doesn't flourish. Like, yeah, that's the future for the CFL that they should shoot for. No. Obviously, the CFL got problems. They, they, they do not have more money, more problems. They got less money, more problems. They need to find a way to reach young fans. They need to find a way to fix the big markets. I just never once saw evidence that, first of all, it was do or die. In other words, this merger has to happen or the CFL dies. I looked for that evidence. I couldn't find it. And I've also yet to see any evidence that the CFL is in mortal peril. Because guess what? As I wrote my opinion piece yesterday... If, if the deal had to get done for the league to survive, it would have gotten done. Guess what? No deal. So I, I'm very thankful that these conversations have come to a close. I'm perfectly happy to forget the XFL exists. Oh, wait, it doesn't. I'm perfectly happy to forget that the CFL used or the XFL used to exist until it hits the field again in 2023. I'll uh, say this. I talked to one person who was in the know and has connections with former, let's say, high-level personnel men in the XFL. And I'm talking about XFL 2020. And they felt like the XFL is never even going to play football ever again. Now, I'm not reporting that. I'm relaying as that was their opinion. But when you have people that were part of the XFL in 2020 stating that as Americans wanting to see more football jobs available down in the United States, it gives you a sense as to the reason why the XFL pushed their season to 2023. If you look at the timeline, in large part, if the XFL really wanted to be on the field in 2022, they could do it. So there's a lot of people wondering if the XFL even gets back on the field. And to my notion from people I've talked to in the CFL, they really always wondered, what does the XFL have to offer the CFL? And what do they have to offer the CFL to give up some of their money that we know the CFL dearly needs? So I'm with you on a lot of those fronts, Hodge. Obviously, the CFL needs to change its business model. And people can say it all they want, but sports gambling being legalized in this country is going to change things for the CFL. We don't know if it's going to save the league. It has that potential if they go about it properly. But the CFL has been around for way longer, decades longer than the XFL. So I'm tired, to be quite honest, of some of these XFL defenders coming out and taking shots at the CFL for a league that doesn't even exist. Hodge, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders had one, two, three, four players suffer Achilles tears on Thursday. And I'll tell you how this went down, Hodge. To be quite honest, I got... The news 
on all four. And to be honest, I couldn't believe it. Sometimes you get scoops or you hear things that are going on <laughs> in the league and you just don't believe it. So I double-checked and confirmed Larry Dean and then there was multiple other players. I'm going, this just doesn't sound right. Do you think this is a sign of things to come for CFL players returning to the field for the first time in almost two years? I mean, first off, I want to say to the four players, Larry Dean, Freddie Bishop, Nelson Lacombo, and Jonathan Femi Cole, you know, we wish you all the best in your recovery. I can't imagine, you know, waiting two years, or in the case of Lacombo or Femi Cole, who are both rookies, you know, waiting, you know, two years to turn pro, and literally before training camp even opens, you're done. Like, you're waiting another year, right? And and the Riders didn't rule any of these guys out for the season, but let's be real. If it's a torn Achilles you're done. like it's it's a nine to 12 months it's not it's not a nine to 12 weeks it's nine to 12 months you're out i think there there's no way and and i'll also say this if if a strength and conditioning coach is on is on one side of the spectrum i'm literally the opposite of a strength and conditioning coach i'm like a couch and, and potato chip coach so i don't want to speak to that side of it the conditioning and the strength training but talking to some people today I know that this has terrified, terrified other teams around the league. I talked to a personnel guy after this happened, not in Saskatchewan, but a guy elsewhere who said this scared the S-H-I-T out of us. And he said, I'm sure it has everybody else. And I, I bet that that is accurate. There, there's no way that having this much rust doesn't play a role because I can never remember having a one team lose four guys to an Achilles over a season. But to have this happen in a day... As you said, Dunkster, it's borderline unbelievable. And uh, again, my heart goes out to these four guys. Just horrible luck uh, for guys to have worked their butts off to get back on the field for the 2021 season. And Hodge, naturally, I think the next storyline for me that should be brought up, and of course, head coach Greg Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day, the general manager, aren't going to come out and say they broke the rules. But there were a lot of people around the league wondering why... Are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at Mosaic Stadium, the players I mean, and on the field when every other team, I'll give you an example. Right now, I'm taping this podcast with you in Guelph and the Toronto Argonauts are on strict lockdown. The players have not even seen each other and they've been in their rooms. Meanwhile, people around the league are going, well, why are the Riders at Mosaic Stadium? Now, part of that has to do with each province and what they'll allow when we know the riders are pretty much gods in Saskatchewan, so that does make some True. sense. But on the other side of it, two people are going to naturally wonder, well, all right, what were they doing? Were they doing workouts on they, their own, or were they outside of the rules that have been laid down? Because technically, you're not supposed to be doing drills with coaches around or anything with high intensity until training camp starts. So there's going to be some questions asked there, and I think naturally those need to be raised when you have, as you said, Four in one freaking day. Like when I got the news, a phone call in the afternoon, and then broke that it was Larry Dean, I still couldn't believe it. One makes sense. Two, yeah, you think it's possible. But four probably has just as good of odds as somebody winning the lottery in Saskatchewan, man. It's absurd. Yeah, and I, I agree. And and my understanding is, is essentially the the way in which players in Saskatchewan are currently allowed to participate in on-field activities is as an individual, you're allowed to get out, stretch your legs, and do what you want to do, but the team is not allowed 
to organize any type of group drill activity or, or anything of that nature. So I agree. I've talked to some people who have similar apprehensions about what exactly took place in Saskatchewan because for obvious reasons, for Achilles tears, it doesn't necessarily smell right. Even with the two years off, it's a pretty unbelievable uh, situation for them to be in. On that note, Dunkster, we got to take a quick break. Bo Levi Mitchell told the CBC that he likes being the villain in Saskatchewan, saying, quote, I love antagonizing those guys before the game because I don't ever want to show up to Sask and the crowd not be full and them not hate me, end quote. Do you like that? Yes, sir, man. We need more of these players too, in bro. the CFL. Yes. 100% agree with you, Haji. Bo Levi Mitchell moves the needle. We need more players who embrace this, and to be quite honest, it is a different level that he can bring on all the criticism or all the chirps, I was going to say a different word, but that he hears from the fans in the stands <laughs> at Mosaic Stadium and can play through it and win. The dude is 4-1 and one at Mosaic Stadium, and the game that he lost, he threw four touchdowns. So it doesn't really get much closer to perfect. As we know, he's the winningest quarterback in CFL history. But I absolutely love it. It makes me even more hyped up for the season to see when Bo Levi Mitchell, for the first time, by the way, since 2018, because he was injured in 2019, Mitchell will go into Saskatchewan this year. I believe the game is in October. Highly anticipated, as always. And there was that thought, you know, a couple of years ago when Bo Levi Mitchell was a free agent that, hey, maybe the Riders would make a run at him. Well, it didn't happen. Yeah, I think sometimes we think of hate as being the opposite of love, and that's not true. The opposite of hate is indifference. And if you are in the entertainment industry, which, let's be honest, all, all professional sports at the end of the day are entertainment then indifference is the worst thing that you could possibly have, right? Love and hate are, are entertaining things. As much as fans love to cheer for their favorite players, they love to hate their least favorite players, right? Growing up in Winnipeg, you know, I, it didn't matter who the biggest star was on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, you know, through the 1990s, they didn't really have any stars. But, you know, as the years went on and they developed some big stars, you know, people in, in the city love to hate whoever it was, whether it was Darian Durant, Weston Dressler. And then guess what? Weston Dressler signs with the Bombers and he's the most popular player in town. It gets people fired up. So I agree, Dunkster. The fact that he's willing to play the heel in Regina, I think, is uh, is a spectacular thing. And uh, it only does good things to draw eyeballs to the CFL. Tiger Cats head coach Orlando Steinauer said in a national conference call that, quote, money is not a factor, end quote, in who will be the team's starting quarterback in 2021, Jeremiah Masoli or Dane Evans, of course. Do you think that's actually true? Nope. <laughs> Look, I have a ton of respect for Alondo Steinauer. He's an excellent coach. He's got a he's got a brilliant team. He's got two good quarterbacks. But Jeremiah Mazzoli signed a one year deal with the team. 
He got $125,000 to sign on the dotted line, and his contract is worth approximately $350,000 for the 2021 season. And that's even with the contract number being, you know, depressed with, you know, all uh, salaries going down post-pandemic across the league. Dane Evans does not have any guaranteed money in his contract this year. He got 25k to sign a, a, a revised deal or a reworked deal, a restructured deal in 2020. So if you've got two arms in camp, first of all, I, I don't think there's a huge difference between Mazzoli and Evans anyway. But look, if one guy's got 125 grand in the bank and the other has nothing so far. I think it's really hard, and you're risking a lot of problems, I think, in your clubhouse, potentially. That's just my speculation. If you go with the guy who's got nothing and you put your $125,000 asset on the bench. Fair, but I'll pose it this way, and I really believe 2021 is going to be a view into the future for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in terms of what they do at the quarterback position. Dane Evans, 27 years old. Jeremiah Masoli, 32 years old, coming off an ACL surgery. I'm not saying he can, can't come back from that, can't play at a high level. But if you're the Ticats, you're looking at that age difference, five years, and thinking, hey, can Dane Evans be our franchise guy? Do we want to give him more of an opportunity to see if he can be? So that's why I think Orlando Steinauer is actually being truthful here when he wants it to be a competition. And... Orlando Steiner has not really been known as a guy that outright lies in the media, at least to this point. Maybe he's pulling the wool over our eyes, but I've always known Coach O to be straight up with me when I've asked him any question. And that age difference and their contractual status, both will be free agents at the end of 2021, to me is the kicker. Because going forward, you're not going to be able to sign Jeremiah Masoli for, let's say, you know, three, three fifty, or $400,000 and then turn around and give Dane Evans a similar contract. That's just not going to work on the salary cap. So you're going to have to pick one. And Hodge, you actually had a piece up on Three Down Nation talking about how the Tiger Cats cut David Watford. They're not going to bring in another quarterback as a fourth guy because they really like Jamar Chase, who was with the New England Patriots briefly, a quarterback that you would imagine they'll bring along. So I think it's a view into the future for the Ticats, what they do. And that's why this competition in training camp is critical for both players. And we got to move on, but I will say this. I think it's a lot easier to put in Jeremiah Mazzoli as the starter. And if he stubs his toe, go to Dane Evans, and then he's the starter in 2022 versus the opposite. If you start Dane Evans and you put Jeremiah Mazzoli on the bench, I think if you're the Ticats, you need to be prepared to say, okay, we're going with Dane Evans for the next five years. Because if you start Dane Evans, he's your guy. And if he stubs his toe and you got to go to Mazzoli, now you got a problem. So that, that's why I think Mazzoli's the guy. But as you said, Coach O is legit. Who knows? Maybe he's telling the truth. Dunkster, you asked Ottawa Red Blacks GM Marcel Desjardins about his team having the lowest projected win total in the CFL by Bodog Canada at just 3.5 games. He silenced doubters by saying, if you bet against his team, quote, we'll prove you wrong, end quote. Does that inspire some confidence in you? It doesn't really, and it's just based on people I've talked to <laughs> around the league. And to be quite honest, Todd, that was only part of the quote because Marcel Desjardins said, hey, if you want to put your money down on under three and a half wins, you'll lose it. And 
Woo. I do think there are interesting arguments on both sides of this, right? There are people that will say, well, the Red Blacks only won three games in 2019. They had an offensive coordinator by committee that was an absolute mess. Their quarterbacking situation was, to be quite honest, pretty terrible, especially at the end of the year. Dominic Davis did, did look capable to start the year. We all remember what they did start. They were 2-0. we got to remember that, right? They won in Calgary, and then they beat the Riders at home, and Dominic Davis looked like he had the potential to be a number one guy. That didn't happen as elite. Sorry, the season went along. But you look at the other side of it, and you have a new head coach there, and all of the retirements that they've suffered through. Brad Sinopoli, arguably their most proven, not even arguably, their most proven playmaker on offense goes out. Alex Mateus, the glue, the center on that offensive line. You're going to have a lot of young players in there. And Desjardins came out and said it himself as well that, hey, we really can't go out and sign any experienced players right now because there's none out there. So you're going to have to go young. So that's why people around the league are pointing at the Red Blacks and laughing at them and saying, hey, yeah, they're going to be last. But it's never as easy as it seems in the CFL. We think right now the Ticats are going to march to a Grey Cup on home soil and the Red Blacks are going to be dead last and maybe win one or two games. But it never plays out that way. Yes, it's unpredictable, but if if I'm the Ottawa Red Blacks, and I'll say this, the first thing I thought listening to that quote from Marcel Desjardins was, oh, don't mind if I do. Yeah, I'll place a bet on the under there. Uh, you know, yes, anything can happen in the CFL. Could could the Ottawa Red Blacks go, let's say, 5-7 and seven in a short, or pardon me, uh, that would be 5-9 and nine in a shortened season? Uh, yeah, I, I guess that can happen. The same way that, you know, four players can, I guess, technically all tear their, their Achilles tendons <laughs> on the same day. Um, but I'm not holding my breath on it. I would be very comfortable placing a bet on the under. But, hey. To the Ottawa Red Blacks, to Marcel Desjardins, prove me wrong. As you said, go ahead, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong. The one ace in the Red Blacks' pocket, real quickly, is Paul Apeliz. So now you have him as a head coach, there you the go. offensive guru, right? Can they win more than three games than they did in 2019 with Lapple? You would think they would. We're going to see how it plays out. Their East Division rival just down the road, the Montreal Alouettes, have their fingers crossed, probably their toes and anything else they can too. Hopefully not their eyes, though, so he can see straight. <laughs> that star receiver Quan Ray will be in training camp, but he's currently having issues crossing the border due to the marijuana charges he had laid against him during the pandemic. Do you think we'll actually see him on a CFL field this year? Yeah, Danny Machocha said in the conference call that he thinks, you know, there's a chance that they could see him in training camp still. You know, they're hoping to see him soon. Personally, I've talked to people who don't think we're going to see Quan Bray in the CFL at all this year. And right now with the, with the you know, COVID restrictions, getting across the border is not easy. But Quan Bray is part of his arrest. He, he was acquitted of one charge, but he did have to plead guilty to another charge and pay a fine. So he's got a criminal record. And once you have a criminal record, and I'm, I'm not a legal expert by any stretch, but some people I've talked to have experience trying to get players over the border who are having issues with whether it's, you know, a, a charge or whether it's something like child support or, or things of that nature. You know, they've said, look, if you've got a criminal record, it is very easy for our country or, or most countries in the developed world 
to deny you entry. Um, if you don't have a charge or you don't have a criminal record, it's it's a lot trickier. But Quan Bray is still working on the documentation. The Alouettes are working on it with him. But I think there's there's a good chance that if he does show up this season, he's not going to be there for week one, week two, or, or potentially even the midway point of the season, which is a big blow to the Alouettes because he was, let's not forget, sensational in 2019. Hodge, to be quite honest, if our friends at Bodog Canada had a lineup and there Ooh. were odds on Quan Bray coming <laughs> over the border, what would you put that line at? Yes or no? I, I would I would personally uh, put my money on no. I'm hoping for yes because he's so much fun to watch um, and I believe in second chances. But if I had to put money, I would put it on no. Just Just... Just being honest, because again, that's that's what I'm hearing. I hope I'm wrong. I hope my sources are wrong, but that's what I'm hearing at the moment. Yeah, and Noah would have a ton of juice if you laid that bet down, Hodge. And let's remember, 157 pounds of marijuana, and the charges came from the United States Department of Justice. We're not talking yeah. about a smaller crime that was dealt with at a municipal level. We're talking about the United States. I say it again, Department of Justice, man. I just don't see it. Yeah, he had a Brandon Banks worth of marijuana in the car. <laughs> it's not not a good not a good situation to be in. Canada, it's legal. United States, it's it's not. We'll have to take a break, Dunkster. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Welcome you back to Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 2005, Anthony Collier of the Ottawa Renegades tied 10 players for a share of the CFL's single-game sack record, making five. The Baylor product would finish the season with 12 quarterback takedowns, by far the best total of his four-year CFL career. Collier's team lost the game to the BC Lions in Vancouver by a score of 37-29 despite his record-tying performance and frankly Dunkster if that doesn't sum up the existence of the Ottawa Renegades I'm not sure what does you get five sacks from one player in one game and you still lose by eight points not a good look yeah some of those records that get set or tied like in this case seem to be just by happenstance or maybe it was a bad matchup or maybe they were sliding away from them or maybe there were cleanup sacks because you can tell, as you said, in the rest of his CFL career, you know, he doesn't get to double-digit sacks again. Anyways, no disrespect, but he did tie the single-game record, so I'll praise for that. It's now time for the three-minute drill, powered by Jiffy Lube. Bombers offensive lineman Jermarcus Hardrick would be accepting of an openly gay player in Winnipeg's locker room. That's the way it should be, right? Hell yeah, go Michael Sam. And go Carl Nassib. Let's keep opening it up. <laughs> Canadian offensive lineman Alex Mateus formally announced his retirement from the CFL. How much does that hurt the Red Line front? It really, really hurts that front. I think he was their best old lineman, and it especially hurts that the presumed backup, Alex Fontana, former first-round pick out of Kansas, is not playing this year either. Bodog installed Riders quarterback Cody Fajardo as the favorite to win the 2021 CFL MLP award, which was, quote, big news in his family. Does it mean anything? It does mean you can get bullied by Mitchell at pretty solid value, buddy. <laughs> and speaking of the gunslinger, he talked about his shoulder surgery with Matt Nichols and Travis Lule. Think that'll help, Bowie Levi? 
I think it can only help when you talk to experienced quarterbacks who have had similar procedures done on their throwing arm. He talked about that in his conference call. Getting the zip on the ball, he said, was not the problem. He said it's putting the ball in the bucket. Those big overhead, uh, you know, throws that are, you know, you're dro- trying to drop it in the receiver's bread, ba- uh, bread basket 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. That was the toughest part. Colin Kelly suffered a torn pectoral muscle and will miss three to five months. Ouch, he was supposed to start a tackle for the Elks. Will that hurt Edmonton? It likely will, man. Tommy Draheim retired as well, and maybe the Elks rethink paying Derek Dennis legitimate money to come across the border. Ratio-breaking offensive tackle Jason Lozon-Saguet has decided to retire. Man, that is really not ideal for the Elks. It's not. They lost Zach Wilkinson, Andrew Becker, and Trey Rutherford to retirement already this offseason, all of whom were offensive linemen drafted by the team in the last three years. So they they did draft a bunch of guys in 2021, including Pierre-Olivier Lestage, who's now at the Seattle Seahawks. But this team has really taken a toll along the line of scrimmage. Losing Lausanne again at just age 30, definitely a problem. Longtime CFL coach Rich Stubler has reportedly agreed to join the Toronto Argonauts. Will he help win them games? Yeah, but it could cause some chaos, to be quite honest. You have a first-year defense coordinator there in Glenn Young, and you think he wants a veteran coach to be there overseeing him? That would not be something I would like if I was Mr. Young. The CFL and CFLPA are discussing potential changes to in-season restrictions for players and coaches and team personnel that currently prevent them from socializing with anyone from outside their household and going to restaurants and bars on the road. Is that a big deal? It is, and and I know these are restrictions that you know Brendan Labatt talked about, for instance, in his decision not to play. It's been part of the reason we've seen so many retirements or guys stepping away, put on suspended lists, that kind of thing. Uh, personally, I think the CFL just has to go the route of the NFL and make two sets of rules. If you're vaxxed, you can do what you want. If you're not vaccinated, be prepared to spend a lot of time sitting in your hotel room. Lastly, on a somber note, 3 Our Nation would like to extend sincere condolences to the family and friends of two very special people who passed away this week. Edmonton Elks superfan Brian D. Edwards and retired fullback Michael Souls. The CFL is a special place because of the people involved in the league, and we know Edwards and Souls made it better. Both will be missed. We'll see you next Thursday for another episode of the 3 Down Nation podcast.